I believe the gift that I've excelled at and nurtured is really the gift to be truly open-hearted. I won't say that other individuals don't have that, but I think that's something that I've worked towards and that has allowed me to connect with people who may not even like you, actually. Mm. Common has won three Grammy Awards and been nominated for 20 total. He's the first rapper ever to win a Grammy, an Emmy, and an Oscar. He's just a Tony away from EGOT territory. I've been in situations where I've walked through the club, you know, this is early on in my career, and I could tell, you know, the people that I was around didn't really like my music. And they had, like, negative energy towards me. Mm. But I didn't let that separate me from, like, giving them a handshake, me embracing them, and it kind of broke down some walls. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Art of Power. I'm Arthi Shahani. Today, Common, a man of contradictions? Sure, who isn't? But more distinctly, he is a man able to hold contradictions, the dark and the light, hate and love. That is key to his worldview and his inordinate success. You may have seen him on screen in Selma, John Wick 2, or dozens of other films. He's also got a new album out, A Beautiful Revolution Part 2. We talk about his activism against juvenile incarceration, why he was able to forgive his father for kidnapping his mom and him at gunpoint, how it felt to lose Grammys, and how acting class helped him find peace in failed relationships. I wasn't able to be the great person that I strive to be. And I'm not going to put all that responsibility on Erica because it wasn't just her, it was me. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Common Mr. Lonnie Rashid Lynn. What what should I call you during this interview? Yeah, you can call me Common. That, that will work. I appreciate it. Okay. And um, what does your name mean? So, Arthi is the fire in the prayer in the Hindu ceremony. Uh, Rashid uh, is seeker. Is that right? Actually, one of the meanings is guide to the right path Mm, guide Guide to to the the direct path yeah i think in your first book or your second you were making the point of having a christian and muslim name coexisting yes my father was reading the bible and the quran throughout his life and he said man i really believe muslims and christians should be together (laughs) you know like uh, (laughs) i want your name to represent Uh that knew Common's resume. A rapper, actor, writer. I did not know he was also a massively calming presence. Like, I literally feel my heart rate slow down as we speak over Zoom. I recently watched Common on Mindy Kaling's Brilliant Sitcom, Never Have I Ever. 
He played Dr. Jackson, the hot doc love interest of Indian-American widow Nalini. I know we're supposed to be enemies, sort of. But can I get you a drink? And then I listened to his latest album, which you're hearing too. He returns to his identity as revolutionary poet in A Beautiful Revolution, Part 2. Everything is all right. I've been doing that, but I'm fortunate. Feel it coming from all sides. One of my favorite lines in that album comes from the song Star of the Gang. Yeah. And I'm going to just say it to you. Halfway across the bridge, I saw a couple kids who yell black lives, but they don't know where blacks live. It's okay. If you for it, you ain't against it. You and your white pickets could help paint the fence. Halfway across the bridge, I saw a couple of kids who yell black lives, but ain't know where blacks live. It's okay. If you for it, you ain't against. You and your white pickets can help paint the fence. This is not Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> When I, when I came with those bars, I was like, oh, yeah, I love this. This felt good. It, because there was so much truth in it, it was well, all that's been going on with with black lives and, and black culture. It's a lot of people who really may not understand black culture or been around it, mm-hmm. but they're supporting it now. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that because I feel like you're still helping. And hopefully... The more you help and the more you become involved, the closer you get to actually understanding the people that you are, you know, doing the work for or speaking up for. It, it goes back to the scripture that, that it's in the New Testament mm. where Jesus said, if they're for you, they ain't against you. You know, if you're for you, ain't against. Mm. I love those lines. And now this very direct connection you make to Jesus's words. I also have that part of me because I. Uh, I'm a more cynical person than you are, uh, by far. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's why. I know that's why you like. Okay, well, tell me what you mean by that. Like, yeah, yeah. like no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no. But I mean, like, what we share is, you know, I believe in justice as fate. If you commit yourself to it, I believe we share that. And uh, yes, you know, when I heard those lines, I felt that in my heart, it felt like truth. And then the other part of me is like, well, what about all those people who are acting woke and this performance of, you know, the NFL tweeting hashtag Black Lives Matter, but crucifying star football player Colin Kaepernick because he sits out the national anthem and he's protesting for black lives early. I know, I, you know, it's a lot of corporations that definitely are on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon. And... Mm-hmm. And it's parts of me that it's like, man, this is so fake what they're doing. It's false. But it's parts of me that's like, this is benefiting some people also. People who are grassroots mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. actually do the work that are receiving mm-hmm. the funds so that they can do more work. I, I feel good about that aspect of it. The aspect mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. I don't really feel it's coming from a sincere place. Some are doing it just strictly for their benefit and strictly for to make their company look good. And I feel like those true colors will show no matter what. And yeah, if you open the door a little bit for black and brown people to come through, we're going to come through. And because let me say something about that, because I'm like, I really believe in Kaepernick and what 
what he opened up to the world about and what he spoke and what he stands for and the sacrifice he made. He's actually one of the most inspiring people for me of, of a generation. I'm seeing things happen to people that don't have a voice, people that don't have a platform to talk and have their voices heard and affect change. So I'm in a position where I can do that and I'm gonna do that for people that can't. That being said, mm -hmm. it exposed certain aspects of the NFL that I didn't realize, like the way the owners refer and think about their players. According to ESPN, McNair told NFL owners and executives when it comes to player protests, they need to avoid having, quote, the inmates running the prison. The commodity. Yeah, right. the, the commodity. Yeah. I remember one of the owners said something about the inmates running the asylum. And I'm like, this is how you really think. It just exposed their business and, and the people mm -hmm. who are in control of their business. So it, it made it hard for me to really support that business. Common has represented some of the biggest businesses in America. Take, for example, Microsoft. Back in 2008, he launched a clothing line with the tech giant called, get ready for this, Software. Get it? Software. I'm coming out with a t-shirt line. It's called Software. It's me and Microsoft. We did it. As the BLM movement has evolved, so has Common's relationship with that tech giant. He's talking to them now about bringing tech training to new places. You know, I've been able to, with Microsoft, talk about doing, like, hey, let's, can we take some of these programs even to, to some of the prisons or places in, in different inner city mm. um, environments? Mm -hmm. uh, and they've been open. The necessity and the urgency is more there to to just mm. do from companies to do more work um, in communities. And the community of the incarcerated is one that America in itself is starting to have to come to grips with that. Yes. We've damaged a lot of human beings with this prison system. No, you know, my father and uncle were amongst those who've been incarcerated in this country. And I've paid attention really? to the work that you've done specifically to humanize people who have been prisoners. Yeah. And I wonder, Common, what would you say is an example of an intervention you've been involved in where you really felt, oh, this is what change feels like and this is the contribution I have to make here? I've went into over 15 prisons in California um, and met individuals, women and men, They've been to some of the darkest places in life. But then they had come out of that darkness and actually just because of what they've been through are some of the most enlightened and, and powerful people I've been around. And they don't have a lot of resources or anything. They just got their hearts and their souls and their experiences. From that, I started really wanting to be a part of the actual change and we found some organizations who were working on legislation and there were some bills that we were looking to get passed. Oscar and Grammy award-winning hip-hop artist Common is at the state capitol tonight using his voice to overhaul the state's juvenile justice system. We're dealing with juveniles being sentenced to life mm. without parole. Mm. We had a concert at the capitol in 
California, in Sacramento. Imagine justice, Sacramento. We gon' take y'all to where it started. We gon' take you to the corners right now. Yeah. And then the next day, I went and met with legislators who were Democrats, Republicans. What are you hoping to get accomplished? We're hoping to, uh, to get prison reform in the right place to, so the juveniles won't be sentenced to life without parole. I mean, I met a politician who told me, yeah, I know this is the right thing to do, but my constituents, they won't support it, so I can't do it. And I was like, oh, this is what politics is about. This is like, people know, so they know some of the right things to do, but, hmm. but because they want to keep their following or you know, stay in office, they're going to vote against it or not support it. That being said, we ended up getting the bill passed. California now joins 19 other states ending life sentences for juveniles. When that happened, I thought about, like, this is one of the most significant things I've ever been a part of. Hmm. Because this will affect generations beyond my life from a practical standpoint. Meaning you and I both have had loved ones who've been incarcerated. Some have went in at young ages. Well, now somebody like us in the state of California, that young person may have another chance to redeem mm-hmm. themselves and correct themselves. And so would you say in that campaign in California, what's a lesson you learned about how power works I learned that connecting with the people in power allows them to to actually want to do some of the right things. So, an, an example of that, I know you're good with the details. Yeah, bring yeah, it. <laughs> I was supposed to do a show in, in one of the prisons. I think it was, it might have been Lancaster. And the show got, it was too much wind. I, was, I couldn't believe, like, yo, we're going to stop the show because of wind. But when I got there, it was like, it would have blew over everything. Oh, like physical wind, okay. Yeah, okay. physical wind. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all the governors, this was, at the time it was Governor Brown, his chief of staff, a lot of his team, they all had come to, to see my show. We didn't get to do the show. We ended up going to one of the cell blocks in the area and we sat in a circle, legislators, people who worked with the governor, people who had committed murder, people who were doing life without parole. Everybody kind of talked about who they are and what they had experienced from the people who had committed murder to the governor's chief of staff. And we all connected as human beings. Then we said a prayer together, mm. join hands. In less than two to three weeks, some of the people who were in there serving life were, they were up for review. And some of them were commuted because of that experience. Hmm. What I'm saying is when you get to someone in power, you have to connect to them on a human level and help them to understand how their power is affecting the people that they empower over or, or, you know, the place that they empower. Sometimes that has to come through proximity or it comes through other, you know, people who can reach those people in power. So that's what I understood about power.
Common was born in Chicago in 1972. His mom and dad separated shortly after his birth. And when he was 18 months old, his father came to his mother's home, knocked on the door, and pointed a gun in her face. He said he would be taking both of them, mother and son, across the country to Seattle. Common's father had applied for a job there in pro basketball. And he had developed such a negative reputation. His would-be employer told him, if you show us you've changed, if you prove you're a family man, then we'll hire you. Common describes his kidnapping in the opening pages of his 2012 memoir, One Day It'll All Make Sense. Some might look at the facts and say, wow, that's a violent, domestically abusive man. Mm -hmm. And you can recount those facts, but you still have a great deal of adoration, respect, love for him. And I want to understand that. Well, life is not only in the facts. You know, um, so many, like, it's a fact I'm a black man from Chicago. You're an Indian woman from where, where'd you grow up? Queens, New York. Queens, New York. Yeah. You just took the facts of our backgrounds. You might think that, well, these two individuals won't have a great conversation. <laughs> you know, or these two individuals may not connect. But it's something else that exists in life beyond the facts. And that's humanity. That's emotions. That's compassion. And I think what my father taught me because I was really young when that happened. So I'm, you know, I'm going from the stories that my father and my mother told me. Mm-hmm. My father took responsibility for him to even tell me that story. It wasn't like he didn't, he might even brought it up, to be honest. Like, mm. what it taught me was, one was that, okay, our parents are not perfect. We know that aspect. <laughs> you know, it's good for a young black man who didn't grow up with his father to actually, first he idolized his father. But to hear from my father that he's not perfect was good because it allowed me to be more myself and my imperfections to not mm. to not hold against myself, you know, to mm. be able to forgive myself also. But it also taught me that when an individual acknowledges they're wrong, then you have to give room for that individual from an understanding space and from a compassionate place because... Everybody is not going to be perfect at those moments. My father was also dealing with, you know, some drugs at the time. So, you know, he was going through his own things. You know, I try not to judge people because as much as possible, because, I mean, people are, we fall at times and we make really bad choices. But, you know, if you can live to say, man, I was wrong in that moment, then I give you room for that, and I and I try to meet people where they are. And I had to, you know, and true love, Arthur, is like, it ain't just loving when everything is good. No, right, but I think it's also, I wonder if there's a kind of two-sidedism that you have to have to be able to 
forgive such severe breaches, you know? Yes. There is a two-sidedism that that situation actually taught me, but it's also helping me in life now because when I talk to people and they're giving me their side and I totally don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree <laughs> at all, but I respect that they have a perspective and they side. Think about if we functioned like that in the world, more like, yo, this is this person's side. I mean, as long as that side is not physically yeah. damaging you at the moment, then you can process that and give them a time to understand it here. And they may grow from that too, as well as you. I, I definitely respect that. I think it's just like, I don't always know how to put that alongside the need for accountability for horrific actions. Well, listen, I just told you, mm -hmm. I met people in prison who committed murder. Mm -hmm. And they took accountability. I remember them saying the individual's name they had removed from this earth. And I always felt, it felt strange to me. I was like, well, I had to ask them, why are you saying hmm. the person's name? They was like, we want to acknowledge that person. We want to acknowledge them as a human being. Hmm. We want their families, if they ever get to hear that, we acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. And we also take responsibility for our wrongs. Mm -hmm. So I want to give them some, some type of love for that. Right. The dynamic between your parents and going through a process of learning to love the both of them deeply, does it also give you freedom? Yes. Um, I'm able to love them deeper because they will show me their true selves as much as possible where they were. And my mother is like, now to this day being becoming more humble becoming more loving becoming more understanding and willing to grow and she's 76 now my father was always somebody who I felt in my life would show me the dark and the light side of oneself because he when he was angry he still was expressive like he wasn't holding back like trying to be perfect but he also was like Saying, hey, man, check out these spiritual texts. Listen to some of, you know, this jazz or what, or I want you to drink this carrot juice. Like he was giving, he really showed me the, the, the wholeness of a human being. So I definitely, truly have been able to love them in a deeper way. Uh, and I continue to. My father's transitioned in 2014, but I still feel, you know, I'm going to believe in the spirit of the ancestors are with us. After the break. A relationship that I was in, um, that was with Erica Badu. And, like, that relationship didn't end well. Common explains how acting school helped him reevaluate past relationships. This is Art of Power. I'm Arthi Shahani. Behind my eyes, I reach for skies that tell no lies. The earth that cries for chains that can't be Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hey folks, your host Arthi Shahani here. 
we've decided to start a newsletter for the Art of Power community, an exclusive place for invites and access to myself as well as guests featured on the show. Subscribe at wbez.org slash AOP newsletter. Steps a man, common sense in an un-American caravan. The true B-boys, I entered hip-hop from a place of just being a fan of hip-hop and studying every video or movie that had breakdancing in it, listening to every hip-hop artist that was coming out at the time, studying their raps, and then just deciding to write a rap. Mm-hmm. And would you say that that's similar between how you entered hip hop and how you entered acting, or is it quite different? Very different, for sure. Um, I knew I hadn't been immersed in that world. I hadn't even. Now, mind you, I did. I loved plays growing up. I loved theater. I loved movies and watching TV. But I wasn't looking at it from that perspective. I was just strictly an audience member and never thought about myself participating in it. And acting became my way into a new form of storytelling. I was about to act on this show on MTV called Lyricist Lounge, and I was so nervous that I started drinking a lot of beer to try to get my nerves down. You know, it was just (laughs) out of the nervousness of going into that unknown area and something I really wanted to do but didn't know how. And, And that's one thing I learned and know about myself more now, like, is that I feel more equipped and more confident if I go through basic training, go through the beginnings, go to the beginning of an art form and start learning mm. those things. Mm-hmm. So That classical training. Yes. Common put down the beer and turned to the Sea Cats, a mother-daughter team who are among the most sought-after acting coaches in Hollywood. The elder Sea Cat pioneered the use of dream work to guide artists to unlock their inner creatives through dreams and rituals and connect to parts of the unconscious that we're usually cut off from. The Sea Cats have a very unique and, and beautiful way of teaching acting And it really becomes a life-enhancing experience. Mm. And what they do, they work around your subconscious. They work with dreams at different times Mm. um, to connect you to your character. What I learned in the process was how much I hadn't been really expressing myself. And I thought I did because I'm uh, an artist. Mm. I've had very personal songs. But the way Greta teaches acting and Sandra, it made me go deeper within myself and go to those places that are darker, mm-hmm. go to those places that are that are insecure, that are unsure, go to those places that are angry, go to those places that have hate in me, go to those places that some would deem, oh, this is crazy thinking. Um, Hmm. It also was giving me understanding of why I function certain ways in relationships. You know what I'm going to ask just listening to you. I mean, you've used words hate, crazy making, this very intense stuff. Can you give me an example or two? I want to experience the process that you did. 
you know, one of the moments was me dealing with um, a relationship that I was in. Um, and that was with Erica Badu. And like that relationship didn't end well. I was very heartbroken heartbroken and you know in in that acting session just being able to talk to Erica like we call it sense memory mm. and going to the sense memory place where the breakup happened and where was I at that time mm. and how did I feel what was going on in in the environment and to go to that place in acting class it brought up a lot of emotions from tears to anger. And it was something, you know, during the process that I wasn't able to run away from. Because, mm -hmm. like, as I'm in class and, and Greta is coaching me through this moment, man, it was painful, it was powerful. And where does my commitment issues come or even issues of not being able to express my true power where does that come from? Like me dimming my light is what I found during that moment mm -hmm. of in acting class that we were able to to like hone in on. Mm. Can you explain to me what do you mean by dimming your inner light, not realizing your power? Well, let me get to the specific because you like details. I do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, it was times where I wanted to go pursue my art and career and music. But because I felt that I was, I mean, this is what a, a good man is supposed to do. I'm supposed to sacrifice those things to spend time doing a lot of things that she may want to do. And it's okay to compromise and sacrifice in a relationship, but you don't sacrifice yourself and your purpose. And I, at times, would, would, was doing things, whether it was, Gardening, which you know, it's nice and sweet to help your lady garden. But if I, if you know, you got the responsibility to go out and be out here and creating a piece, you know, art, and that's on your slate, then you gotta set a boundary and say, hey, I spend this Saturday gardening with you, but I can't do every day because I got this work to do. Mm. And I started to to tuck the work away or tuck the the things that I wanted to do away because. I wanted to be like good in the relationship and I felt like this is a long-term relationship potentially could be marriage so let me just give up some of the stuff I want to do mm. to make this person happy and I found out that I was dimming my light because I I believe that other people have more power than me or I didn't want to lose their love so I'm just going to not say what I really feel. You know, you change up things that, that are important to you. Mm -hmm. It's like you find yourself compromising the core of your life force, the thing you feel you have to gift to the world to try to fit the role, and then it doesn't work, and you feel depleted by it. Yes. We shouldn't give up our core for anyone in life. And... When you do give up your core, 
things do start to build up. Like I started to build up resentment and little did I know in my own way, I wanted to be out of the relationship myself too because I wasn't <laughs> able to fly. I wasn't able to be the great person that I strive to be. Mm. And I'm not going to put all that responsibility on Erica because it wasn't just her. It was me. It was me being able to say, no, this is what I want. And then you allow the other person to make a decision. Is that the person they want to be with or not? Mm -hmm. But if you're not expressing the truth of your core, you're not even giving them a chance to make a decision. And you also are building up emotions and things towards that person where you're blaming them. You're feeling negative energy towards them because you're not really expressing who you are. Mm -hmm. It's not their fault that you're not, you know. Realizing your own potential. Yeah, realize dimming your light also is, for me, was like Erica is a special person on this planet. She is amazing and extremely talented, just a deep thinker, a fun person, creative, one of, you know, mm -hmm. special. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a relationship with someone like that and you're around them, you also don't have to say, well, just because they special don't mean that I'm not special too. I'm special too, you know, in my own way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it took me time to understand that. Because what that relationship did and the breakup did was show me that I was doing that in other aspects of my life. And I was just going to ask you, can you give me an example of then doing that same thing in your professional life? Yeah, well... It could be a situation like I might be with Kanye and, you know, he's about to go do something performance-wise. And I'm like, well, do I belong here? Do I, like, like this dude is a superstar. Like, he's one of the biggest stars. Kanye West is Kanye West, a very well-known hip-hop artist who Common both collaborated with and competed with. Common remembers back in 2006, he was nominated for a pile of Grammys. Kanye, as well as John Legend, Common's musical family, they also had nominations for more than a dozen Grammys. I was for sure I was going to win at least three. Mm. And I didn't get any of those awards. Mm. And Kanye and John won. In one instance, Kanye has said, like, Yo, Common, I tell you, we can, you can't come out around the same time as I come out, even though oh. we were working together. <laughs> <laughs> He's been very gracious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way Kanye does love it. it. I remember feeling like down and like, am I, am I? This album I had done, B, was really well received, but why didn't it get the love that their projects got? And even my mom talked to me like, man, why didn't my son get anything? Mm. Which you didn't need to hear from her at the time. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She told me that later on. Okay. Like that she, that she felt just really sad for me in a way. Mm. You know, we're talking about Grammys, which to many people could be like, come on, man, these are higher class issues. But it, I'm just talking about how I felt inside. And I think, you know, no matter what level or... Or what the situation is, how you feel as a person is how you feel. And that's one of those situations where I felt like, man, my light was being dimmed by my own lack of belief because mm. of something outside of me that I didn't receive. 
I see. No, I see how you're tying it back. And so is there, in the wake of that Grammy loss, um, is there a lesson you get from that? How do you react to that? What feels to you like a setback? Well, you know, I felt that I went through the emotions of it, meaning the disappointment, the questioning. Mm -hmm. And then I gathered myself and remembered who I am Mm -hmm. and understood my purpose and also still had amazing support. Kanye called me the next morning after our Grammy family party and was like, listen, Let's get in the studio and start cooking up. Let's go get some Grammys. <laughs> mm. um, he just was really giving me encouragement to say, man, you are on this level and, you know, we can keep creating. And and it, it was reinforcement for me because I, I get knocked down and I fall sometimes on my own. But I do believe in that I'm going to get up and that I'm going to go even stronger and so what happened after that? Hmm. We went and created an album called Find It Forever and won a Grammy for a song called Southside. Which featured Kanye and I. It was us just going back and forth, rhyming, real, raw hip-hop. That it must be. And when I do a project and come back and tear the motor. Coming from the south, 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 of the bronze, the cars, the half moons, the stars. I'm like, and we won a Grammy and I couldn't believe it. A conscious with Matt like Steve coming from the south, 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 Is there a lesson that you learned that's been important for you to keep with you throughout your extraordinary career well thank you first but um, I think the lesson I learned was there's always a win in front of you if you really do the work and Mm. really apply the power of your words and be active in creating that victory you want to see you will see the higher purpose in it and the higher cause and actually be a higher being mm-hmm. through it. Are you getting better at recovering from loss? I'm getting better at processing the losses and gaining through the loss. And also continue to remember what do I really want to do? What is my vision? And even with this loss, is it going to destroy the vision? Nah, Mm. do I feel it? Mm. Yeah, but this doesn't like dissipate my vision or my purpose. Mm. The losses have, and not getting the roles have just actually allowed me to to function on a higher level, to be even more like godly with it and and great with it in, in ways where I don't get the roles and I feel it, but I also send out good energy towards the person who did or the or towards the project. You really do that? You you do that? You take the time to do that? Yes. That takes work. That takes work. Like because you don't feel that all the time. Mm-hmm. But you I still do it because to me it's confirming with God that I believe in the higher plan. And these things are 
Like the higher purpose is, is there. What is your higher purpose? You specifically. Uh, my higher purpose is to to spread God's love and light to inspire, to motivate, hmm. to uplift, to bring joy through art and to bring activism and practical ways for people to live greater lives. Hmm. That's my purpose. Kamen, I want to thank you for your time. I feel like I've taken a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's been it's been a wonderful experience and, and talk with you. I really enjoyed it and learned some things and I, I love that you are a stickler for details. It, <laughs> ma- it makes us makes me go to to you know deeper uh-huh. into it. It's, it's been a wonderful talk, is what I want to say. It's been great to to build with you. Thank you. And I did read your second book. I have a theory, by the way. And uh, I love Tiffany Haddish. I think she's amazing. I don't know what's going to happen in your future. Uh, I don't imagine you're about to tell me. But I had a theory when reading that because I read your second book as, oh, Common's trying to figure out why he hasn't been a husband yet. That's kind of <laughs> how I read that book. <laughs> and I kind of wondered, is it a job description you just don't want? Like, you feel like you're supposed to want it. There's a romantic notion around it. But what it means in practice often is compromise, showing up when you don't want to. It, it definitely takes away from one's journey. So I was kind of wondering. I was like, he's turning 50 soon. People get worried about dying alone. But really, is it a job he even wants? You know, that's, um, that's something that I've been reflecting on. And at many moments in my life, I felt like, oh, man, that is something that I want. At this moment, I don't feel like it's anything that I really desire. I'm not in fear of being alone or what I do want is amazing and beautiful and God-loving and fun, supportive and inspiring people in my life. And I want a partner who I can share time with and and grow with and learn from. Hmm. That was a great assessment of me. You you picked it out really good. Oh, thank you. I had to share it because I was like, I think I get what he's going through. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Where where are you in that? that? Where am I in that? I've never been married. I'm partnered with someone who I consider to be a wonderful man. And I'm not interested in marriage. As far as I can tell it... uh, it brings a lot of problems, and I think that it's best to just choose to be with someone and not get the law involved. Ah, I like it. I like it. What sign are you? I'm a Libra. What are you? Pisces. Very good. Very good. Nice. So your yeah. birthday's coming up. It is. It is. I will what? be 42. Yeah. Happy early birthday to you. I, lo- you so I love that you said you're cynical. I love talking to intelligent, <laughs> fun, cynical people, but it's, it's a joy. Thanks so much. Great to connect. Mm-hmm. 
my lessons from Common. One, start with your higher purpose. It's the through line across success and failure. Hold on to it even when everything isn't working. Two, don't dumb yourself down. Don't dim your own light. You can admire people worth admiring, but don't put them on that pedestal and live in their shadows. Three, you're going to get knocked down. When you do, get help from friends, professionals, and then get back up. This episode of Art of Power was produced by Justin Bull, Paloma Moreno-Jimenez, Hina Srivastava, and me, Arthi Shahani. Our executive producer is Kevin Dawson. Almost all the music in this episode was used, with permission, from Common's new album, A Beautiful Revolution Part 2. Check it out. If this episode landed for you, broke your brain, moved your heart, hit subscribe leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends and family. Let me know what you think. On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Arthi411, A-A-R-T-I-411. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.